In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes to give us the great, glorious, joyful gift of salvation. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a really weird bank in Iran. It's a really strange bank because this particular bank does not hold any money in it. There is, there are no coins in it, there is no paper money, there is not even sort of uh, memory banks for uh, bitcoins or anything like that. Instead, what is inside this bank is flowers. Specifically, the saffron crocus, which is where you get the spice saffron from. And saffron is an extremely expensive spice. In fact, saffron is more precious than gold. Saffron goes for about $75 an ounce, which is more than what gold is currently worth. And you start going, wow, that's that's pretty amazing. I should maybe invest in saffron. How do I bank my saffron Can I put it away in a shoebox under my bed? How how does this all work? And that gets into the question of, well, what do you use saffron for? Well, you use saffron to cook. You you use saffron for, for spice. You use it for color, especially. And saffron is this very expensive item that doesn't seem like it should be, well, very expensive at all. Because it's not tangible, really in the same way that having a piece of paper that has numbers written on it is tangible. It's not tangible in the same way that a coin is tangible. It's not tangible even in the same way that receiving your credit card bill or your bank statement is tangible. Because you can't go out to McDonald's and say, well, I've got a pocket full of saffron What can I get for that? It's not something that you trade with in the same way. Well, that kind of matches up with what is going on in our reading from Isaiah today. A reading from Isaiah is a little bit confusing if you read it because it starts off, come and drink, and then come, buy and eat, but buy and eat without price. And so you start going, well, which is it, Isaiah? Is it, are we going to buy something or are we going there for free? Which is it? I I can't transact something free. That just doesn't work in my Western brain. And what he's talking about here is actually kind of that difference. that, That difference between what is sort of tangible in his day, which would have been how all of those measurements of units of work and of coin that would have allowed you to go and buy food. And so as he starts listing off what it is like to come and buy and eat, he starts to say, well, this is like coming and showing how much work you're willing to do in order to arrive at this value. But there's something different in this reading because the bill has already been paid. 
So you can measure out how much this is worth. But it doesn't matter. Because it's already been paid. It's as if some Iranian spice dealer came to the restaurant before you and said, well, I'm going to pay for everybody's lunch today. You would still, when you ordered, you would still have a recognition that there was a value there. But you wouldn't have to pay it yourself. Which is confusing for us. Because if there's a price, we feel like we have to pay it. That's kind of how our world normally works. And if we get something for free, a lot of times we kind of wonder, well, what am I really paying for this? That's perhaps what Isaiah's initial readers were thinking to themselves as they heard Isaiah talk about this great, good, gracious God who is going to send them a suffering servant, somebody who would suffer on their behalf, And that they didn't have to do anything. They probably started wondering, well, does this come with an exchange of power? Does this come with an exchange of something else? How does this work out? But it eludes them. The value is something that's hard to make concrete there. And in a lot of ways... It's sort of like the value of a really good meal. Have you ever had a really good meal? I mean, not just, yeah, I had a good meal the other day, but a really good meal. Something that sticks out in your brain. Something that maybe it was several years ago, but you still remembered the creaminess of the butter, the way it made your cheeks almost kind of hurt. <laughs> the acidity of the glass of wine, if you're so inclined. The saltiness that came across your palate. Now, you may remember those things, and those things are actually the worth of that meal to you. And you may have paid, you may not have, but there was at least a bill that came at the end of that meal. Or possibly before it, if you were eating at somebody's house. (laughs) There was something that gave that value. But that value wasn't exactly the value that you came away from the meal with. See, the value was something that was a little bit more intangible. The value was something that was a little bit different. Because the value had everything to do with the experience and not necessarily with the tangible quality of how many dollars and how many cents this cost. It had to do with the tastes, with the smells, with the ambiance, with the service, with the people that you were there with. And in some ways, that was something that is so hard to value. Well, that it makes a good metaphor 
for what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. You see, up until now in the lectionary, we have been reading Jesus telling parables about what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. And he's been saying, well, the kingdom of God is like being a seed planted in a particular area. Or the kingdom of God is like being a mustard seed that starts off very small and then grows up very big. Or the kingdom of God is like being a pearl that is found and has great value. And here, it's as if Jesus is continuing to tell parables, but to tell them in real life through this miracle that he does for those 5,000 men and gathered women and children along with them. That what he's giving them is a value. That is unestimable, a value that is somehow different than what it appears to be at the front of everything. It's a value that doesn't seem like it makes sense at first, because at first, Jesus' disciples come up to him and they say, hey, somebody should get these people some food. And Jesus says, yeah, it's you. And they go, no, 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 no. We don't have that kind of value on hand. All we have is five pieces of bread and two fish. And Jesus says, well, let me show you something about value. Let me show you something about the value of experience in my kingdom. And he breaks the bread and the fish. And all of a sudden, all of these people are fed. That's a real-life parable of what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. And just like the disciples after Jesus tells one of his parables, perhaps you're running up and going, well, what does this mean? Well, what it means is this, is that we have a Lord, we have a Christ, we have a person who on the outset didn't look like much. Jesus looked like he was the son of a carpenter from Nazareth, a backwater town in Galilee. He didn't look like he was going to be the savior of the world. He didn't look like he was going to be the savior of the world, especially when they hung him on a cross. But there was something more to the value than what you could just see from the outside. And the value of Jesus' death On that cross, the value of Jesus' life amongst us is something that became unestimable. Something that became so great that it paid for the price of all of our sins, all of our shame, all of our guilt. From just five loaves and two fish. I said that in this series we're talking about the different elements of Martin Luther's seal, this rose that you see right here. The rose certainly isn't the center of the symbol, but it's the most dominant figure in the symbol. And that dominant figure is supposed to be colored white. 
And the reason that Luther said that it's supposed to be colored white is because it's supposed to get across this sense of joy. And that it's a sense of joy that is not of this world, but a sense of joy that is otherworldly. That it is the color, he says, of saints and of angels. And that that joy that we have in knowing a Savior who is crucified on a cross for our sins and that we know will give us salvation, will give us the resurrection, is something that is unestimable. And it's all about the experience. The experience of His love. Like a good meal with a friend that never ends. That dessert simply lasts forever. So now may you, this week, every time you eat, may you invite Christ into that experience of how good that food tastes. And when you taste that food, when you take that first morning sip of coffee, may you remember that He has already paid for a feast that is so much greater than that. Amen.